estrela alva brilha em mim Brilha a luz que é no Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning from Rick Bonfin Ministries. Uh, we are talking about spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening. What an ex- how exciting it is for us to talk about that. So as as we are uh, as we have several teachers talking about spiritual awakening. So here's my turn, and I want to bring to you. Um, what spiritual awakening, uh, how I feel spiritual awakening is. So uh, spiritual awakening, the word awakening. So I looked it up on the Oxford Dictionary. And it says, an act of waking from sleep. An act of waking from sleep. And another definition is, an act or moment of becoming suddenly aware of something. So, using the word awakening is kind of like kind of like we are in a condition needing spiritual awakening means we're spiritually sleeping. We're spiritually unaware of things. We're unaware of the yes, spiritual needs, spiritual happenings. So, we need spiritual awakening to Come to realization. Come to senses. Of yes, there is a spiritual reality. There is spiritual need for each and every one of us. And the first scripture that I want to I want us to go together is Isaiah six. Isaiah six, verses one, uh, starting with verse one, is this: In the in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the helm of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, this is Isaiah talking, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. That sure sounds like spiritual awakening, doesn't it? He became aware of his condition of uncleanliness, unclean lips, his sins, his brokenness. Now, how did he come to this conclusion? That he was a man of unclean lips and he lived among a people of unclean lips? How did it come to this conclusion though? I mean verses 1 through 3. He walked into this presence of God. Presence of God where it was filled with full of His glory and His holiness. The seraphs. Seraphs uh, praised. They were talking to each other and they praised. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of His glory. When He walked into that holy presence of God, there was sudden realization to Prophet Isaiah, I am a man of unclean, unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips. Now, a lot of times we think we're okay spiritually. I mean, we think we're okay. I mean, we go to church. Um, we identify ourselves as Christians. We think we're okay and all. But are we really okay? I mean, how do we really know that we are clean or unclean or sinful and or, or right or sinful or we're whole and good or broken? How do we really know that? Well, let me give you one illustration here. You can't really see on the screen how tall or how short I am, right? <laughs> but a lot of people that have seen me know that I'm a short man. I am, my me- the, uh, the measure is I am 5'5", five five, generously. I'm between 5'4 and 5'5". Five five. <laughs> however though, however though, I am the tallest in my family. Well, I have two daughters, five and seven, so uh, <laughs> my wife is just a few inches shorter than I am. Okay, so uh, so I'm the tallest in my family. So I can say that I'm tall. Well, really? But if I stand with the basketball team, pretty much any basketball team, even the high schoolers, I can guarantee you that I'm the shortest. Well, it's all about the standard of measure. Standard of measuring. See, the measure of spiritual condition, a lot of times, we, um, we use other people as the measure of our spiritual condition. However, though, like in this case of Isaiah 6, I think Isaiah was a good man, wasn't he? He was a wonderful man. But yet, when he was in the presence of God, what he felt was, he was unworthy. He said, Woe is me. I am lost. The measure of standard was the holiness of God. The glory of God. Which all of us, we are meant to be the image of God. So measuring up to that, we are broken. We are sinful. And then, of course, what happened? Continuing on on the verse 6, Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal, and a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. The seraphs touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. When he realized, come to to his senses of his brokenness and his sinfulness, there was the work of God of his redemption, the cleansing of his sins, and sense of new commission for the work for the work of God now this text that 
that we're reading, spiritual awakening. I mean, we see we see here, starting with Acts, right? Repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that He may send. Uh, I got. I read it correctly. He may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. See, Peter, he preached the gospel. He healed the crippled man. Doing all that was the message of repentance. See, the spiritual awakening, the beginning of spiritual awakening is, first of all, is the presence of God, the work of God, and in response to it is our repentance. There is no spiritual awakening if we don't realize that, yes, we are sleeping. We are totally unaware of things. But then, uh, that's how it is, right? When we're sleeping, we don't know what's going on all around us. But then when we, when we realize that there's something going on around us, we become aware of things. What, ha- what happens? That's when we wake up. Wake up and realize. So, spiritual awakening happened as people repented as, as, they, ca- as they came to the Lord. And then, of course, the great revival happened with them devoting, uh, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were, were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possession and goods. Uh, they gave to uh, anyone as he uh, as he had need every day they committed to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved hallelujah praise the Lord all these happened as they became spiritually aware of their needs and repented of their sins. So, the prayer of Habakkuk, Prophet Habakkuk, where it says, Lord, I have heard your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Now think about this. I have heard your fame. And I stand in awe of your deeds. That's recognizing who God is, who He is, and what He has done. See, we stand, we become aware of who God is, and stand in the presence of God who has done great things. So that becomes the starting point of our spiritual awakening. So, continuing on with the prayer, He said, Renew them in our day. Meaning, Lord, make yourself aware, make yourself be known to us, and make your deeds known to us, so that we are aware of who you are and what you have done. Renew them in our day and in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. So we stand in awe of who He is and what He has done. 
That's spiritual awakening. I think we need to go back to just that. Desire to know God and desire to know what He had done. And starting with who He is and what He had done, we turn to Him. We recognize our sinfulness and we recognize our brokenness because who He is and what He had done become the measure of standard of our spiritual condition. And I don't know about you, whenever I measure myself to God, Lord, have mercy on me. I am a sinful man. For you are holy, but I am weak. Repentance. Change is required. Right? That was the message John the Baptist brought to people. As a forerunner of Jesus, he came and preached the good news. Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist, John said to the crowds, they came out to be baptized by him. And he didn't, he didn't hold any punches. He said, you brood of vipers. All right. <laughs> you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? But then he said, bear fruits of repentance. Just to confess my sin is not enough is what he's saying. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Good. Then what? Bear the fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There is judgment. There is justice of God. Okay? There is justice and there is judgment according to God's holiness. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. Whoever has food must to do likewise. Hey, doesn't that sound like what the, uh, what the uh, early church was doing? As they had in common. They shared with those in need. They were bearing the fruits of repentance. Even tax collectors came to, the, to be baptized and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Isn't that what Zacchaeus did? And then he did even more. If I cheated anyone, I will pay back four, uh, four times. He was bearing the fruit of repentance. Because he was unaware of his con spiritual condition until he met Jesus, right? And then his life was completely changed. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He became a new creation and he, he, he bore the fruit. Now soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. 
Hmm. Yeah. So how are the fruits born? From spiritual unawareness, I mean, being spiritual unawareness, it's like this. We're not aware of any spiritual needs or spiritual things, right? So, we basically, all we got to live by is this. Flesh. All we got to live by is the flesh. If we're not, we're not aware of the spiritual senses, spiritual being, spiritual needs. So we're just living by the flesh. But when we are spiritually awakened, spiritual awakening happens in our lives, then we are living according to the Spirit. We're, we live filled by the Spirit. And of course, Galatians chapter 5 gives a wonderful contrast. Beautiful contrast. I'm, I'm going to read this in a, a little different version, New Century version, because... It doesn't. New Century Version doesn't use any of these fancy words that I don't understand. Thank God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I tell you, it says live by following, or I say filled by the Spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit. See when we are spiritually unaware, then we go against the Spirit. And the Spirit wants what is against our sinful nature, sinful selves. The two are against each other. So you, can do, you cannot do what you please. But if the Spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. Now, the wrong things the sinful self Wrong things, the sinful self, which is the condition of spiritual death, spiritual sleeping, spiritual unawareness, right? Does, are clear. Being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins, worshipping gods, small gods, that is, doing witchcraft, hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry with each other, causing divisions among people, feeling envy, and being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties, and doing other things like these. I warn you now, as I warned you before, those who do these things will not inherit God's kingdom. And then, of course, the fruit of the Spirit is. The Spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law that says these things, these things are wrong. So let's look at the things that the book mentions here. Bars and taverns closed for lack of businesses. Certainly, of course. Because we don't live by the flesh anymore, right? We pursue purity. We pursue self-control by the Spirit. Why we need to be drunk anymore, right? Police and law enforcement personnel face a drop in work due to dec decreases in crime. Businesses receive money and merchandise from thieves, employees, and shoplifters who are seeking to return stolen goods. 
Christians and churches begin serious efforts to uh, help the poor and needy in the community through orphanages, rescue missions, and other needs-based ministries. Hey, isn't that what the book of James says? The true Christianity is what? Taking care of the widows and the orphans and keeping pure from the world. Yeah. All these things are simple things that the Bible already has said. But we are now lining up our, aligning with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God. So these things come very naturally now. Laws change or are enacted to protect the oppressed and to uphold justice. Hey, love mercy and walk humbly with your God, right? Yeah. Reconciliation takes place between races and ethnic groups. Jesus Christ tore down the wall of hostility by the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians. Yeah. We are one family. We really are one family. Yeah. Foul language is replaced by civil and wholesome talk. Well, because we pursue purity. Our hearts are cleansed. And our languages reflect that. To change the heart and change the mind. Evil practices cease and are often outlawed. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Private and public acts of immorality decrease dramatically. Marriages are restored and family life is strengthened because we choose to love before we are loved. We choose to seek purity in our relationship and not sexual sins. So, we bear the fruit of repentance as we, as, as we are spiritually awakened. As a spiritual awakening happens in our lives. As God wakes us up to the image of God that we are meant to be. We are awakened and we bear the fruit of repentance. I was attending a conference one time. And I listened to this pastor, Pastor Che An. He's a pastor of a Harvest Rock Church uh, in Pasadena. And he has a doctorate of ministries in church history from, from Fuller Theological Seminary. So uh, he's a, he loves history. Well, I'm not. So I'll take his word for it. <laughs> and I, I appreciate those who love church history <laughs> and study hard. Um, but he was talking about a revival that happened in 1907 in Pyongyang. Now, Pyongyang is, yes, it is the uh, capital of North Korea, but this is well before uh, the war. So uh, uh, the Korean Peninsula still was, was one. And the Christianity was being planted er, in, the er, in the early days. Now, Pyongyang revival that happened in 1907, uh, that was a crucial event for widespread of Christianity in Korean Peninsula. Now, the, um, uh, there were several small events, small revivals that happened that, that contributed to this Pyongyang revival. But Pyongyang revival is regarded as the largest and the greatest revival that happened in, in, the, in, in Korean Peninsula. Uh, now, a lot of credit is given to Wonsan prayer meetings in 1903. 
But Cheon talked about a one crucial event that happened during the revival. It was, it was uh, held with 1,500 Korean men. Only men because, uh, in fact, there were, uh, there were no women because of lack of space. They didn't have enough room, so they only allowed the men to come in at the time. Now, several evenings of revival services went on, but it just kind of went on. Service and service and. And so it didn't seem like it was going to be uh, any, any, um, any, it, it wasn't going to be an, an, any more impactful time than any other times. But an elder of a Presbyterian church, he was also a well-known figure in the community, he stepped up with a confession. How he was entrusted with taking care of an, of an estate, uh, estate of a friend. So he was taking care of the wealth of a friend. But he confessed. For several years, he had taken money from his estate for his own personal gain. He violated the trust. So he began to confess his sins before the whole gathering. And that was the moment that his spirit was awakened from sleeping. With the confession, his, his spirit came alive and the spiritual awakening happened and spread through, uh, spreading through the gathered men there in Pyongyang. So this Pyongyang revival, which began in January, would go on until springtime. So lasted several months and and also spread it to other communities before uh, before subsiding so it lasted several months and this Pyongyang revival resulted in an increase in the number of new Christian uh, new Christian believers and the growing establishment of Korean Christianity led by Korean Christians and also, this became the moment that introduced key aspects of Korean Christian spirituality, such as early, early morning prayer meetings, which still continues until today, as they would either meet, meet uh, at 5.30 or 6 a.m. At, uh, at the church for the early prayer meetings, or all-night prayers. But it began with confession of a man. Spirit of brokenness swept over the gathered, gathered people. And spiritually sleeping was awakened. Spiritual awakening. Let me just wrap up here real quick. Spiritual awakening. First, what is the standard of our measure? who he is and what he had done. When we stand in awe and the holiness of God, presence full of his glory, how will we see ourselves? Broken, sinful, spiritually aware of our needs. And secondly, repentance. 
Repentance is coming from spiritually unaware, spiritual unawareness to spiritual awareness. And when we are spiritually aware, then we see ourselves, how we are weak and in need of holy God. And as we come to repentance, we must bear the fruit, fruits of repentance. Being changed from old life into new. Psalm 24, verse 3 through 6 says this, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Who do not lift up their souls to what is false or idols. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek Him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. So, as we stand in the heel of God, stand in His holy place, let us seek clean hands and the pure hearts. Let us reject the idols of our lives and let us seek God and worship Him alone. As I finish, I want to teach you a little chorus which happened to be written by me based on this very scripture. It says like this. Clean hands and pure hearts Come and cleanse us, we pray We cast down our idols And speak your truth We seek your face And worship you alone Clean hands and pure hearts Come and cleanse us, we pray We cast down our idols and speak your truth. We seek your face. We worship you alone. Amen. Jesus 
Rio dos Vales, cresce 